You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Take one. Knock, knock. Who this? Receiving a Dana, and we can't believe you thought I'm looking hot. Stephen and Dana, and we're in the room. Happy dear. Did we start yet? Sure did. Yay! Hey, girl. Hi, Stephen. How you doing? I love being caught off guard. Happy March. Thank you. To you and yours as well. Thanks. February zoomed by. Well, January sh- lasted 87 days. January was the longest <laughs> month in the world. I know. Okay, so I'm just looking back through the calendar, um, what we have done. Oh, yeah, you tell me. I forget. Well, okay. As my personal manager. Oh, I went les bowling. Lesser tagging. Well, it was Lesser Tag and Les Bowling. There was Les Bowling? You didn't yeah, tell yeah. me about the bowling. Yeah, there was Les Bowling and Le- Lesser Tag with Jen Colella and uh, Carmel Dean. Um, Lesser Tag uh, was so great. It's just a lot of lesbians in vests with laser guns shooting at each other. It sounds like a Sandra Bullock movie. We should have been filmed. I should have been paid. It was at Chelsea Piers, and it was part of this, like, lesbian mixer, New York-y kind of thing. Great. And then there was bowling, and I'm apparently really good at bowling. Hmm. Super good. And I get worse as the night goes on. Great. So I, I come in with a splash. I like the, like, walker that they give the little kids, and you can just push the ball down. Ew. And like it the goes, bumper? Not the, the bumper. bumpers. The, like, the walker. And they put it in front, and you it's like a slide for the ball. And you line up the slide with the arrow that you want to go, and you just push the ball as hard as you can. You were worthless. Okay, so that was that night. And it goes. The very next night, the both of us went to go see podcast guest number three, two or three, Ryan O'Connor. Yes. We were his guests at his new workshop, workshop or lab? Uh, Lab. A lab of a new musical called Home Street Home. 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 He was so funny and charming in it. He was my favorite person. It's like a punk musical about living on the streets. Yeah, and they take this one girl in, and it's a very it's a very tender, raucous, good time. And I'm very proud of him. I, I have never seen him perform live, because he's a newish friend of mine. 
But yeah, and he's been with the show for a gajillion years. Yeah. Um, I think he even posted, like, when it was all said and done, like, this is why you say yes to the reading for $75 yeah. for a day. And he lives in L.A., so we were kind of yeah, he was here for really a month. lucky to have him in New York for a month. And we went to go see Lorna Left with him, mm-hmm. as we had mentioned on the last episode. It was um, after that night that we found our new happy hour spot. Happy hour till midnight at El Sombrero. Sombrero. Is it 57? 47? Underneath? Eighth-ish. I'm sure there's only one El Sombrero in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Look it up. It's, uh, they're our new sponsor. You know what? Happy hour till midnight. I'll take it. So that happened. And then, um... What else do we do? Oh, I know what happened. I had a gay night in Brooklyn. What? Um, you got your hair cut and you have a story about... I what happens got my hair cut because your hair. I've been wanting for a long time. I kind of look like a straight girl walking down the street. And I wanted to say, without wearing like a little rainbow pin or a shirt that says... I'm lesbian and available. I got my hair cut and did like kind of a semi. You'll see it in the picture for this episode. Yeah, there's like a little half shave happening. And um, what's the story? Oh, oh, so I wanted to look like a lesbian a little bit. Like, got my hair cut in Washington Heights by Gavin Thomas Garcia, podcast guest number, I don't know, seven. Seven? Coming back in Astoria, walked through the turnstile. A man who looks like he has a job asked me to take my earbud out and asked me, would you mind getting to know each other better? And I said, you mean at all? I'm sorry. I'm a lesbian. 100%. And he looks so deflated. He's like, really? He's like, I put myself out there one time. (laughs) He's like, really? Like, 100%? Like, yep, bye. So it didn't work. Like, the only time I've ever gotten hit on in my entire life... Was by this dude. Was by a man. My plan didn't work. So cheers. Um, Once somebody gave Byron Uh my phone number... Or no, somebody gave Byron their phone number in a Baja Fresh to give to me. Yes. I was, like, ordering more queso. And I got back to him, and Byron's like, that guy over there wanted you to have his number. Is that the one time you got hit on? Yeah. I love that. It wasn't great. Oh. All right. I mean, it clearly didn't. I mean, were I straight, I probably would have gone out with this guy. Once I left my phone number on a receipt and it turned into a good thing, turned into my first boyfriend. Where's he at? Can we give him a shout out? Yeah. Hey, Robbie. (laughs) He works on the east side. No. Oh. Robbie works on the east side at a Mexican restaurant. We're in touch from time to time. Mm -hmm. He's good people. He lives in your neighborhood. Great. Oh, that's right. Well, he doesn't live there anymore. Okay. But he used to be your neighbor. Okay. Yeah, at the told, same time. You told me this. You told me this. Great. Um, what else did we do? We did something else. Do we care? I have something written down. I can Great. cut all of this out. But um, I've been listening to Janelle Monáe's Make Me Feel on fucking loop. Everybody should do the same. Yeah, the Oscars are tomorrow. Who cares? Unrelated. Unrelated. Um... If you're listening to this, you've already seen the Oscars, or didn't watch them. Speaking of Oscars... Ladies and gentlemen, we are sitting with Paul Kanan. Hello! Paul Kanan has owned Broadway since 2001. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Um, I mean, let's get the business out of the way. You're Paul Kanan. You... (laughs) 
You live in New York so. City. You are I'm Laura Bell Bundy. You're Laura Bell Bundy. You're, you look great. Yeah. Um, I got a lesbian chop too. So yes, see that's what I, I think we all kind of do. We all kind of do. I'm, I'm feeling the shave for the first time ever. Like, yeah, it's upkeep. Great, it's upkeep. I know Ryan O'Connor too. How do yeah, you know Ryan O'Connor? Ryan O'Connor, like shout out. When I did the Legally Blonde reality show, he mm-hmm. had a TV show with his friend Nina, mm-hmm. and they did a recap every week of Legally Blonde. And he like shout. He's like, I just love Paul Kanan. He's so fun and blah blah blah. So I wrote him because they were so positive on their show. The way they talked about everything, they just oh, puffed stuff up. They weren't like bitchy. Sure. And I wrote him. I was like, "You are awesome. You're so sweet and kind. I appreciate your kind words." And he wrote me back, and we became friends. And we he taught for me once. I think that's the best. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, small world. I love that shit. This is the world we live in. I was I was doing some homework this morning, like looking at your YouTube videos and just kind of Uh-oh. doing the due diligence that we do the morning of. And I was like, "So I didn't I'm not I'm not already friends with the person that we are podcasting with today." <laughs> And I was like, he was in Kinky Boots and Legally Blonde, and my roommate said, Paul Kanan, and he just moved here from Oakland. I'm like, yeah, you creep. How do you know that? Um, so well, I'm yeah. from near Oakland. Really? Yeah. Maybe really? that's it. Maybe that's, yeah, what? it's like right Although I'm sure he's very much younger than I am, but. Probably. You haven't aged a day since I met you. Uh-uh. Zero ages. It's a lot of like five hour energy, some rem- some like leftover Mormonism. What's your moisturizer? Um, I use Kiehl's sometimes, but I use this thing that Laura Bell gave me called Placenta. Clini- not Clinique, Clinic, Clinic, or Clinical. I don't know, but it's a thing that that hosted the. Um, uh, double standards that she did. Yes. At time, at which Hall. was so good. We'll get to that. So good. They host, they sponsored the whole thing and gave everyone bags and stuff, but she sent me that product like forever. She's like, you need this. It looks great. I'm like, okay. Well, Mormons just it's look fucking working. <laughs> Go order <laughs> some clinic. There. Tell them that Laura Bell sent you. Yes, yes, yes. And live that dream. Um, you are a Broadway actor, performer, dancer. Dance captain, associate, <laughs> magician. Uh, Broadway debut was Miss Saigon. Mm-hmm. 2000. 2000. 2000. Yeah. Get into it. 2000. How did you book that? I was going to school at Brigham Young University. Back to Mormon. And now we're just going to be turning to Mormonism. Can't wait. Um, they had an open call in Salt Lake City for Miss Saigon. They'd like. That's just, the most random thing I've ever heard in entire life. <laughs> this casting agency called Johnson Lift Casting. They used they they cast like Cats and Les Mis and Miss Saigon, like all those kind of Angela Weber shows. Yeah. And they found a little like niche with the Mormons in Utah. They're like, oh, these kids can really sing. And they took all it's these true. Les Mis and all these Phantom people. And then Saigon came back and I was like, oh, there's like dancing and flipping in Miss Saigon. I'll go in for that. So I showed up, no headshot. Didn't know much about the business at all, really. I'm like, I love this show. I know Lea Salonga, and I know this show. So I literally just showed up at downtown Salt Lake with, like, lines around the building. I was like, well, let's see what happens. And I sang my song, and I did some flips and did some dancing, and they kept me all day. And you know who else was at that audition with me, auditioning for Chris? Will Effing Swenson. And at the end, when all was said and done... 
<laughs> when all was said and done, they called me like back at my housing of BYU for a day. I didn't have a cell phone or anything like this was, sure. this was a long time ago. They're like, hey, we want to, we want you to come to New York in two weeks. We have an opening in Miss Saigon and be on Broadway. I was like, confuse me. Yes. So I left school. That's it. And then Will Swenson got the tour as Chris. So from that audition, we both kind of like made our big professional debuts. Stop it. Without a headshot. I'm sorry. You lost me there. I'm still there. No headshot. No nothing. No resume. You're like the kids in the Merrily documentary. Complete. It was totally a fluke. But Peter Lawrence, who was the, like... The stage manager? Associate sta- he was the stage manager, but also, like, the associate director. Great. He was the one who literally just plucked me out of the gang. And every time I saw him... The, the show I did after that was, was uh, Annie Get Your Gun. I did the tour of that, and he was one of the managing people of that show as well. He always was like, you were such a fluke. So many people go in for that. We didn't hire new people for Miss Saigon. It was just, like, a random thing that you went in. Isn't that fun to hear after the fact? I mean, I walked into like the you front. weren't supposed to be here. Totally. I'm like, well, when no one was looking, here's all the re- here's all the reasons why this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Like, little did I know, I'd just spend half my career as a woman and just be dancing across. I walked into the Broadway theater though when I came to New York and said, "Hi, I have rehearsal." I went to the box office, Nuh-uh. and this woman no. was like, "Rehearsal for what?" I was like, "For this show, I have rehearsal today." What? <laughs> and she's like. Do you want to go in the stage door where the actors go? I was like, where would that be? She's like, it's around the corner, down 53rd, down halfway down the block, take a left, and it'll say stage door. I was like, thank you so much. You're so sweet. She was like, uh-huh. Just bugged. Do we think she still works at that box office? But, yes, Can you imagine? She docents. She, she docents. You know what? That gives me agita. Uh-huh. That I, th- I think that's my favorite. How did you make your debut story that we've heard on this podcast? Yeah, Ooh. for sure. Yeah, mostly because I can't really remember anyone else's. <laughs> but that's one that I'm not going to forget. That should be on the Equity website where it's like Anne Harada's face, and you click on it, it's like how oh, I got my Equity card. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just rehearsal for Is what? That how you got your Equity card as well? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't Stop. even know what Equity was. You got your Equity card in a Broadway show. Yeah, I didn't know to read the board. I didn't know... We, they had a call for, like, the TAM rehearsal earlier, and I didn't know how to, like, read the board and know that that was happening, so I got written up. I don't think I've ever been written up since, but, like, no one really had a lot of mercy for me either, being just the young, like... I had bleach blonde hair. Oh, yeah. I have a question. Yeah? Did anyone mentor you? And kind of... Because you were so new and, like, really... That's a great question. I had no idea what you were doing. But yeah. Like, did anyone take you under their wing and be like, this is what you have to do? A few, like the dance captain, once I started rehearsal with him, he was at the show. He knew how new and young I was and green, green, green. Um, and he kind of taught me what to do and stuff. But New York is such like a social city, like outside of work. They'd all been there for 10 years. Yeah. Outside of that world, you don't really like learn till you're sitting and drinking with people what happens in the business. So it took a while for my kind of college contingency to get over here and for all of us to like figure all this out, which is what I love about education. Like now, cut all these years later, I can kind of give back that mentorship to other people and tell people what I didn't know about all the stuff of the business. Sure. I mean, you were clearly raised very well here in New York. Your little New York parents were top notch. Yeah. Because you're nailing it. 
Well, thank you. Um, you also did, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to forget one, I'm sure. Chitty Chitty Bing Bang. I did. Millie. I did. Lacage. That's the one I would have forgotten. Look at you guys. Legally Blonde. Yeah. Kinky Boots. Yes. Well done. We remember it. It was awesome. So Um, you were a drag queen in how many of those shows? Well, I was a woman for a moment in the jump roping section of Legally Blonde and at the beginning of Legally Blonde when I say, hey, wait for me. And I had a green face on and I slid down a pole. Didn't know that was you. Like sat on Beth Curry's face. Yeah. Didn't know that was you. No, I tell people, like, if you see a Jerry Mitchell show and there's some random male slash female just running doing crazy stuff see that looks like a crazy person, it's probably Paul Kainan. It has been my dream for the last decade to learn that jump rope (laughs) sequence. Well, now you can with the new company around with Jerry Mitchell, which we can get to Which we will get to as well. It's on the list because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Jump roping. Very much so. Um... We were talking to Natalie on this podcast, and she said that her favorite moment of that show was, well, first of all, she went to the jump rope call like three times and then bowed out. Uh, But also she would love when the jump roping went wrong. Oh, brilliant. What's your favorite? Galen Gilliland, always. Tell me. Tell me. Because Galen has such a confidence about her. Like, she's not (laughs) someone that panics and is frazzled. She's like... Ah, shit. <laughs> that fell. And she'd just kind of like walk off and get a rope. <laughs> it would just kind of slip out of her hands sometimes. It was hilarious. Um, or like Little April Berry. Although Natalie George Johnson has a brilliant Broadway debut story as well with Legally Blonde. Of just, I want to hear your version of it. I mean, I they had calls kind of at the last minute to go out of town. And there was lined up outside the door to play this role and... She came in kind of in the middle and sang her face off. And they were like, Jerry said, you're hired. Can you start rehearsal tomorrow? Send all the other girls home. Like it was one in of those outside in the hallway, like told the casting people to send everybody else home because they Shut found up. her. You don't know this. I don't, She's I don't never know. told us that version of the story. I think that's the version. That's the version me and Jerry spin. Great. <laughs> so it I was I never asked her about it. I knew that. She got it very kind of last minute, um, as they needed to replace somebody. Yeah, it happened very quickly, and it was just a moment of, you are hired, can you start tomorrow, in the room. With Jerry and Paul. I know that happened. (laughs) I wasn't in that room, but that's how I heard it went down. Were you dance captain on Bond? No. No. Which a lot of people ask me if I was, because I was I guess I just assume that you're the dance captain on anything that Jerry's doing, even if you're not in it. Like, you were dance captain at On Your Feet, right? No, I wasn't On Your Feet. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> God, Lemon. I was like, wait a minute, was I? Because <laughs> I don't remember anything. You're like, you're currently the dance captain on Pretty Woman. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Is but that true? No. Fuck! I'm bad at this game. They're in Chicago. I don't know. No, it's I'm at... a nice place. I'm actually not... Um, I'm not usually... I don't love being dance captain... Ooh. I'm a little more like side hustle when I'm in a show. I side kind of build companies and programs and do stuff. I don't love rehearsing every day for a show that I'm in. I love the maintenance of a show that I love, like Kinky Boots. I love showing up and keeping that show strong and clean because I love, love, loved it. But yeah. um, it's hard to do eight shows a week and dance and flip and put makeup on and then sure. show up for rehearsal every single day. Sure. How many rehearsals happen for a Broadway show? Once a show's like a good year to win, 
you're going to usually be rehearsing like Thursdays and Fridays, putting new people in, um, clean up, brush up rehearsals, understudy rehearsal. How long are rehearsals usually? Like one to five-ish, I want to say. It's like in the afternoon. Then you go grab dinner and then you come back and do your show. Because I was also in the show. I wasn't a swing or anything. So I'd always have to come back and put my makeup on and then like do the actual show. Then you have two shows Saturday, a matinee Sunday. So your days are just kind of taken up by that. And then you're running auditions and going to all the auditions and stuff. Yeah, and right now, Natalie was just telling me Kinky Boots is on their weird, like, winter schedule where they're off Wednesdays but have a show Monday, but they're also doing Wayne's put-in. So it was, like, rehearse Thursday, show Thursday night, rehearse Friday, show Friday night, to Saturday, to Sunday... Show Monday, show Tuesday. And it's like it's a lot. eight shows in four days. Nope. Don't miss it. <laughs> Don't miss it. What are you, what's, ha- what's happening right now? So now I run two things. I run a, a nonprofit arts education that I started with Laura Balbundy called Take Her From The Top, which is like mentoring young artists that want to get into the business and just perform and have fun. Is that online? We have a website, but that you, 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 we do these, we do these week long intensives and right now we're in Michigan at the Wharton center. We're in Orlando at the Dr. Phillips center. We're in Traverse city, Michigan. Um, and we do a lot of like master classes and stuff. We're going to, we, we go around the country and kind of visit schools and stuff. Yeah. You're constantly traveling and teaching everywhere. Yeah. I, you, and then in the middle of that, I ran. I was the artistic director of Broadway Dreams Foundation, which is similar to that, but kind of they're international now and they're yeah. huge and stuff. But um, I kind of learned the world of education and stuff that's out there as well. So there's a lot of young people that are hungry for stuff like this now. With I would have know, loved that. Yeah. I mean, I worked a lot as a kid, but that's because there was a good regional theater in my hometown and I was local and I was a boy that could kick my face Mm -hmm. and not injure himself (laughs) at age 15. Um, Where are you from? Los Angeles. Never heard of it. Just like a small town. Not missing. (laughs) Small town. Um, But I mean, I never had, no one ever told me this was hard. Like I didn't know how to actually audition because I walked in and they knew who I was since I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even remember I was auditioning for anything. I was just showing up because that's the first day of rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Which sounds so snobby. You. I still had, like, I auditioned no. and everything, but I was like, oh, like, it doesn't matter, like, how well I sing this. I, like, I'm local and they know I show up on time and... Yeah. We'll just I've it. built that for myself. Do you have advice since you are, you know, arts to our young listeners? Because we're explicit. Pretend I'm in, in college <laughs> and I'm a triple threat, mm-hmm. and I'm going to move to New York. Um, I say do something else if you can. Great. <laughs> Be a doctor or produce TV. Uh huh. Don't produce TV. Don't produce TV. No, I tell people like. Learn as much as you can about what you're about to do because there's not one place and there's not one place to do that. There's not a you're not a computer programmer that there's kind of the booklet of like this is what the trend is now and what's happening. 
you have to live in experiences instead of just training. It's not linear. It's craziness. Yeah, it's all over the place. And there's clearly no one way to do it. You got your Broadway debut without a headshot. In Salt Lake City, Utah. I mean, they showed up at the audition is basically the through line. Like, unless you audition, you're not going to get anything. Yeah. So show up to what you're doing. Show up and be ready for what's going to happen, I would say. I mean, my, my story... I don't always preach because it's a very fluke thing and you can't yeah. depend on flukes in this business. You have to be prepared. Because now that I've run a lot of auditions and like seen what it's like for people mm-hmm. and, and what the production team and the directors all that looking for, it becomes very specific. And the people that are like on it and organized. And then once you break in, you have to build a reputation because everybody knows everybody. It's such a small, yeah. insular community that word gets out if you're difficult or whatever. So... Just gonna have to keep it all up, and you have to dance, you have to sing, you have to act, you have to like do all the triple thready things and keep them all up. It's tricky. And keep learning while you're in a show. Do the people take classes? Are they constantly taking one-off? Yeah, I did. Classes? When I was in Saigon, I was taking class all the time. I would take voice lessons during the week. I would take dance class pretty much every day. I just like kept because I'd never been in New York in an educational setting. I'd just been in like college with my teachers that I knew and all the kids yeah. sure but I wanted to like stand side by side professionals and see what was going on did you graduate mm-hmm okay. graduated I had to take like correspondence we didn't have online classes back then sure so they but let you, me like you finished in real time you didn't take a break and go back no I you stayed in New York I you stayed never in New York. went back to Utah no 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 I stayed in New York I finished like I think when I was in Millie I had to write a couple papers. They waived a few dance classes because I was dancing so much. It was funny. Radio City was like something that stood out to them as like a high thing of dance. I'm like, is that just because you know the Rockettes? Yep. Do you even know what guys do in Radio City? <laughs> I don't think they did. The guys carry on a sheep and the sheep shits uh-huh. mid-stage. That's what happens. And who cleans that shit And then shit they pay up. you a bunch for it. Well, yeah. Stage chance. Get into it. Santa's going to rock. Radio City's a rough gig. <laughs> How many years did you do it? I did it one. Just one? Yeah. In like 2001, 2002? I know people who do that for a living, though, because you make enough money, and then you're covered with health insurance for the year. Yeah. So they're just like, okay, the rest of the year I do this, or I'm a mom, or I X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, but from like October to January... Radio Don't nobody scene. talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you always with your same cast, or are sometimes, like, the Rockettes are different from, like, your core group of people? It's two completely separate teams of Rockettes, Great. team of ensemble, and you're with your cast. There's a gold. yellow cast and a, a gold cast and a blue cast when I was there. Great. And they just keep you very separate. So on the gold cast day off is when you have, like, eight shows, because you pick up that slack and do all their shows right. for them. All their shows for them, <laughs> but hey, that show pays the bills. Like that's come on, it's a great, it's yeah, a great little, it's a great little job. And you were a singer. I was a dancer. Well, I do have a funny story actually about auditioning for that. Me and my fr- after I, I went on tour with Andy Get Your Gun, got back. Me and my best friend from college were roommates, and we were both performers, and we'd just go audition for everything. And he said we should go to Radio City. I'd never seen it. I'm like, isn't that just the Rockettes? And he's like, no, there's ensemble dancers. Blah blah blah. 
we go wait, line around all of Rockefeller Center, like, and they give you a color bracelet and shove you in the room like sheep. You're like, murr. And the guy's like, we're doing Santa's Gonna Rock, and it is arms up, and it's very cheerleady and smiley, smiley. And I was saying to my friend, I'm like, let's just go. This seems like such a waste of a day. Like, I don't know any of these people. I'm sure they don't care. I was on Broadway. Like, what, what's going on? Um, so he was like, we already, we have our dance clothes. We came all the way down here. We have nothing else to do today. Let's just, like, stay here and suck this up. I was like, fine. Just roll the eyes. And then I got in there. I just, like, made fun of the audition. I was like, Santa's gonna rock! And I was kicking and dancing and being crazy. And they were like, That's you stay, everybody else go. That is like, the ticket. I'll see you later at home. Bye. No. And then the exact same thing happened at a Mamma Mia audition. He was asking to leave. And I said, no, this is a big Broadway show. We have to stay. Who knows what it is? But Mamma Mia, it's the music of ABBA. Who knows? And we stayed. And he ended up getting it. And, Yeah. So those are our two little best friend stories of auditioning. So RuPaul says, when you realize that this world is a hoax, that's when the games begin. Mm-hmm. And see. <laughs> and see. I don't watch. Do you guys, you don't watch Drag Race? I don't. I was just going to so say epic. the last episode. I oh. kind of caught him up on like why she it was did. epic. She told me, like, you, you have to, it's the storyline that's important here, not the fact that it was drag queens. Right. On any reality show, this would have oh, been yeah. a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Just a, the disruptor, Ben de la Creme. What, uh, whose side were you on with that? Because I, I had a very visceral reaction to it. What's happening outside my apartment right now? I'm obsessed with it. This is the joy of... We are of in Hell's Kitchen, everyone. Midtown. The windows are open. When I listen to another podcast, I love when you hear... Tourette's. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, the neighbors banging. Or, yeah. Somebody else's apartment gets buzzed. And yes. you know they're like, pizza! <laughs> Real life, people. Yeah. We're not in no studio. No. We're in the room. Ooh, they're yeah, outside yeah, the yeah. room. We can shut that window, too. Mm, I'm into it. loving it. Living and loving. Well, usually they light, they light up this whole block with Christmas lights that they just took down like two days ago. <laughs> and just drunk people are like, let's walk down the street with the lights on it. So you just hear, I've multiple times opened my window and been like, break up with him. Yes. <laughs> like heard screaming, heard yes. so, like heard detailed fights outside my window. I've been like, girl, I know you're better than this. You need to go back, live with your mom if you need to. She sounds lovely. And get back on your feet and yes. dump this his sorry ass. You <laughs> get involved. I did that once. It was the last night in my last apartment. I had like gone to the new place and painted all day. It's like four in the morning and I'm in the shower. The movers are coming at seven a.m. Like washing my hair and I hear screaming outside the bathroom window. I'm on the sixth floor and this is happening down. So I look outside and it is two homos having the fight of their lives yep. on the street on 149th. Mm. I'm just listening, and I can see them, which is the best part. So I'm just washing and looking, trying to see. I'm like, uh huh. It's like I was talking to the TV screen. Hmm? I was like, oh, oh yeah. What's he gonna say next? <laughs> I she's was, gonna do it. it. She's gonna do it. She's gonna do it. She's done it. She's done it. I am a deeply feeling person. I'm a deeply. Cece feels things deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she did it. I have a question. Okay. This comes from someone in my life who went to go see Kinky Boots. 
and then assumed that the drag queens in the show were drag queens in real life. <laughs> Did you get that a lot? Um, or do people, I mean, for example, what was the Kevin stage door chatter? Kevin Smith Kirkwood does his Whitney thing. He does drag outside of Kinky Boots. Yeah. As an impression of someone. But for the most part, you all are actors playing drag queens. Yeah. Does anyone take that farther? I think people want to find more ways to see all of us do things, and they had a good time, but a lot of them do. Jay Harrison, he's a drag queen, Mm -hmm. for real. Um, For real. I mean, I guess, how do you follow drag queens and their careers and stuff, too? Like, it's kind of the same, like, either you go to some bar and you know the people that are there, like, head of lettuce and all them, or these are actors on shows. I was, I had never done drag until I did Lacage, and then once I did, I'm like, oh, I'm, I can't imagine going into the, the real world like this. Like, that's just mm-hmm. not my gig to have a show at a bar and host and be funny and dress up and stuff. Right. You're so beautiful as a woman, though. Oh, thank you. Savannah. <laughs> the most beautiful drag queen in the world. Is it hard to break out of that? And get stereotyped as a drag queen on Broadway, and then just doing drag queen shows. Great, oh. a la Lacage and Kinky Boots. Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, my through line for both of those was Jerry Mitchell, mm-hmm. who's my good friend, who I worked with in Legally Blonde as well and other shows. Um, I think it's a strength if you're casting a drag show. Like, I got called in to be like a vacation swing of Priscilla once, and. I think they, they just, the casting people have their lists of people that do drag well, they know the gig, it makes sense for them, but I haven't really known anyone, I mean, there's so many, there's, there's only a handful of drag shows, I can't think of any of the boys that have only done that and don't do, play boys in shows. They all do both. Yeah, I feel like. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'm sure there's some, I mean, they, I'm sure they all want to work period at the end of the day yeah. on a production contract so I think the ones at least that I've worked with I feel like all play boys as well in shows I would and do drag to. on stage I would not do drag in the world but for a production contract sure you do a lot for money Stephen I would do a little for <laughs> money <laughs> you're a whore um, <laughs> if it pays I'll tuck like <laughs> no but I think I'd that. be more comfortable on stage in drag than I would um, like shirtless Oh. I think ah. I would quick. I would. I think I'd be more quick to say yes to like a kinky boots or a lacage than I would um, naked boy playing singing. a man. Naked boy man singing. Woman in Broadway Bears. <laughs> yeah, than doing a Broadway Bears. Sure. Hands down. Nobody wants to see this. <laughs> That's what you think. I'm aware. Everyone thinks the, the, otherwise. The bread basket's full. What? That's a cheddar bay basket. But enough about me, let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> we have a little segment we like to call What Was Your First Impression of Each of Us? Go. Go. I'm going to refill the champs as he does that. I'm trying to think of when I met you. It's, I was trying to remember, too. It's kind of a gray line. It's been so campus. You're just on campus. It's been so campus. Like Thank I see you. you at the locker rooms and on campus. Yeah, I don't think we got, like... And Anywhere near close until, like, Kinky Boots time. But I know I met you well before. Yeah. 
the boots. Like always at like Natalie's therapy show. At anything Natalie was doing, yeah. uh, I'm sure like Jill Johnson had a party or two. Oh, I love Jill Johnson. 100%. I mean, it is funny to be like a crazy looking woman with huge blonde hair and high, high heels and a ton of makeup and physically just look down on this little lesbian Jill Johnson who's so manly and like, move the fuck out of my way. Oh, I love her (laughs) so much. Listen, girl. (laughs) I think if there's one person I've ever met in my life who I most fear being on their bad side... Jill it Johnson. might be Jill Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I really think I could handle most everyone else Jill turning Johnson on me. And Bernie Telsey. <laughs> oh God. Do you have any crazy Broadway stories that you can tell? Crazy like gossipy stories or what's gone awry on stage stories? That's more what interests me. Go ahead. I mean, crazy good, crazy bad. Uh, I mean, I would consider like your Broadway debut story is a crazy Broadway story. It is a little bit. That's great, but then the, when I the fir- my first night I was on in Miss Saigon, actually, mm-hmm. there were like five major bloopers and blunders that happened. I walked out on stage, in and we had chin straps on our army hats. It was all like real guns. <laughs> and they weren't like loaded, but like heavy guns, military clothing. And I ran out on stage and I hadn't put my chin strap down. It was up above. And when I took my first couple steps on stage, like looking around, it fell over my eyes. I looked like a little kid in dad's dress up. I was like, oh no. And everyone just came up laughing so hard. And I couldn't move it because I had this, the gun was so heavy. So that Mm -hmm. happened. And then there's a helicopter that comes on stage for the listeners that don't know. Spoiler alert. Miss Saigon, which you should. Listen, if you come to the podcast, you are the spoiler. (laughs) We're going to listen. I can't. But it comes down on stage, and we the slow-mo, slow-mo, and then it all goes back to life, and we run up the stairs and run into the helicopter and hop out the back. They couldn't get your put in, like, before you go in. They didn't, like, rehearse with the th- helicopter. They just said, now it comes down, blah, blah, So I'm the first one up, and I'd never rehearsed with it. I didn't know how big it was or tall or how it all really that works. That sounds so dangerous. I know, just in the pitch black. Jumping out the back of it in the pitch black. And, yeah, free fall. <laughs> Here I come. Yes. Um, and I banged my head on the thing so hard. with a. I had a helmet on, but, like, cracked my head so hard. Thank God hard. you had the helmet on. I know. So many things. That stage was so small, and the show was wow. so big. But I've seen it all. Like, in Thurley Modern Millie, these... Uh, wine bottles got stuck on a thing up in the like rafters and came crashing down on the stage in this like freeze moment where a turntable the whole ensemble was frozen upstage turning into this crashing wine bottle moment Mm. screaming and running we were like protect Sutton Foster run (laughs) and we all ran did you go to the reunion were you in the reunion I didn't I had an event that night I heard it was Quite the evening. Yeah. I wish I had. I loved that show so much. I had such a blast in that show. It was so much fun. How could you not? Yeah. It was a goodie. Um, How long ago that was? Yeah, I certainly wasn't living here yet. I don't think I was born yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was in 2003. Mm -hmm. I was well on my way. (laughs) Well on my way up. I was just starting high school. Will you talk to me about, um, because you've been in several original casts. 
and do you like creating something from the ground up? Did you yes. do you like going into something and just learning it and doing it? No. Great. My favorite part, especially now that I've gotten a little older, is being a part of the original process. Mm-hmm. Rehearsing in the room, making choices, problem solving, what works, what doesn't. Opening night, out of town. Mm-hmm. I love all that stuff. It's such a blast. Sure. As a nerd, I love, you know, finding in the depths of the dark web, like the original demos for Legally Blonde and then knowing what ended up in New York so well, like, I love hearing the shit that didn't happen. Yeah. I love hearing the cut dialogue. I love all of it. Because then I'm like, oh, I agree with that choice. <laughs> it's very educational for me. Positive used to be a song called Love and War mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Oh, it's there in love and war. Right? Yep. Yeah. I know nothing about it. I know a thing or two. Polar hair and collar whore, all is fair in love and war. Yes. Oh, that's fun. Is that our new tagline? I'll play it for you. (laughs) I mean, no, I won't, because I don't have it. (laughs) Actors' equity. Oh, I'm sure they don't care at this point. Mm -hmm. Growing up. Let's talk about it. As a Mormon drag queen? Yeah. Yeah. Was that complicated? Did you have to grapple? Were you a little boy? I theater queen. Was your name in Kinky Boots like Elder Queen? No. <laughs> My name in Kinky Boots was CC Easy Flaps from Bette Midler. Uh-huh. Preach. And me and my friends saw a heft, hefty bags, new like hefty, the brand of trash bags uh-huh. that said hefty easy flaps. And we we're like, what a funny name for a drag queen, like a big drag queen. CC. And I was like, well, I want to be CC because I was Kiki in Legally Blonde, th- named after my hair guy. Mm-hmm. And then I was Clo Clo in Lacage. So I'm like, that would kind of be full surface, Clo Clo, Kiki, CC. So it was CC, Easy Flapjacks. Easy Flapjacks. Easy Flapjacks. But I, well, it's funny you ask because I'm, cr- I'm giving a TED Talk in May, which will be very interesting. Stop it. And I was thinking... Is that why you were at the TED Talk recently? Yes. I went to the Broadway TED Talks to, like, see what happens. Undercover. Yeah. Just listen and see. Learn. Be enlightened. But I thought about an intro being... Because I don't know if they... You know, these people are looking for enlightened... Like, the whole thing is ideas were spreading. Sometimes I... I don't know what the, like, in for a Broadway chorus boy is going to be for these people. But um, I thought about showing a picture of me on my Mormon mission in Mexico... Like two or three of me, like washing my clothes by hand, walking down the street with my tag, and then showing right away a picture of me with Cindy Lauper with my leg up in the air with drag with boots on and stuff, yes. and be like, "Now, ladies, these are both me. These were taken twenty years apart. I want to talk about what happened in between that got me to where I was in this picture with Cindy Lauper. Like that would be like a graphing. A, I want to make power, that graphic. The powers and the vulnerability of the story. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, because it's me happy, what I thought was happy, and now it's me a little more fabulous and happy as well. And I'm still the same person, but these are some things I picked up along the way. You thought you were happy. Yes. But I never, I don't know, it's weird. I see young, people come out so young now, and mm-hmm. with on, being online and having friends across the world and just kind of being able to express who they are in all these different ways, I did theater and loved it in high school. I'm actually going to my high school to see Legally Blonde in May. No! <laughs> Very excited. Oh, my That's God. That's my favorite thing. 
because they bought the original choreography that me and Jerry Mitchell sold to them from uh-huh. MTI that you can buy today. I do <laughs> want to talk about that because it's yeah. literally something I would, as a kid, would have pretended to be doing a show so that I could get that DVD and like learn and learn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that was me as a kid completely all the time. I just want to know it all. <laughs> you never know when you're going to be on Jeopardy. Exactly. And Final Jeopardy is going to be like, please do eight counts of Kinky Boots. <laughs> well, bitch, I bought the DVD. You would step up to that plate <sighs> and knock it out of the park. I see you, Ken Jennings. I see you. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. Um, well, no, I was just going to say growing up, I my phases happened kind of... I'm actually very glad I went on a Mormon mission because I speak another language. I was getting up at six in the morning and like studying and working and serving people like I'm kind of I don't have this bitter thing towards religion that sometimes people can cultivate through into their adult years I'm mm-hmm. kind of like well it doesn't work for everybody and it wouldn't work for me right now but I'm grateful for the foundation it kind of laid down for me now because I draw from experiences like your whole life you kind of have to just take all the good and yeah. run with that and not let the bad fe- fester through your whole life or you'll just grow hard instead of soft. Hey! <laughs> With Stephen and Dana. <laughs> Growing hard instead of soft. <laughs> Since 1989. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's interesting. This TED Talk's bringing up, like, what what is this passion people have? I'm calling it a labor of love. Broadway, a labor of love. I'm talking about the labor of, like, showing up for work at different times than, pe- than normal people do. And, yeah. Um, what our kind of job schedule is versus why we do all this stuff. Like, what's the reason behind this crazy schedule and this crazy, like, not secure life and all the stuff we do? And it's because it's a passion-based career. We do it because we love it. Yeah. And that's the payoff. I forget who said this, and it's bugging me, and I feel badly. Um... With somebody in a show, and they were talking to me about when they realized doing their first Broadway show that um, being in a Broadway show meant putting that before your cousin's wedding, before your sister's baby. Like, you, you miss other life events because it's not a job where you can just request time off or work from home mm-hmm. or any of that. I mean, you get vacation well, you like any other job. You can take a personal day, but... You know, if you don't know that these things are going to happen, you're really stuck. You can't just call out because nobody else can just show up and do it. You also get less vacation than most normal jobs, and you get one day off a week instead of two, which most people have Fridays and Saturdays off. We get one day off, right? and that's it. It's kind of grueling. It's crazy to think I did it for 15 years. Are you no longer doing it? I was just going to say, you said did it. You're done, and now you're on to this next chapter? Yes. Okay. And what was that turning point for you? What was that decision like? Was it hard? Um, when I started Take It From The Top, I kind of was like, maybe this is my path. This is other. I don't need to be doing eight shows a week anymore. And then with Jerry and I, I'd always just kind of play in the studio with him, which I always loved, and he was doing this new show with Cindy Lauper and I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I, we were doing readings and there was a reading that like Harvey Firestein, Cindy, me, Annalie Ashford, and like one other person read the whole script and did all the stuff just to see how it sounded. 
I was like, this is cool. I was literally singing with Cindy Lauper, just the two of us. That's the coolest. Like, this is kind of fun. And no one knew what it was. It was, it was a small little musical. Mm-hmm. And it grew into this thing. And I was like, I guess I want to be in that show on stage. But I'd always, through it all, had this, been building my education stuff. And then Jerry and I, through Kinky Boots, and even before Kinky Boots, we started this um, company called The Original Production, which is filming and selling choreography to licensees of shows at like an amateur and stock level. Mm-hmm. So if you buy Legally Blonde for your high school, you can buy the videos that's actual instructional, step-by-step insight and stuff from the original choreographer. And we it's have, so exciting. It's really fun. Does it come with like the like a show Bible also for like formations? No. Or is that all in the video? We were gonna do that, but we're learning like I have a high school in Traverse City that's doing Legally Blonde that bought this. They have like seventy-five kids in their production. It would be pointless for us to write out charts that's what we did on Broadway mm-hmm. when what they're all doing is so different. So sure. this is about the steps and we give a lot of insight of, like, we crossed lines cool. here, we did this. You may have 35 kids in this. We had four guys and four girls. They mirror each other. These are the steps. Do what you will with that. Because it's a collaboration. We don't want to tell people what to do. Very, I love that. So people can reach out to high school theater directors? Yeah, I mean, Where it's mainly, they're reaching through MTI, which okay. sells the licenses to all these shows. And we have a partnership with TRW, which is Theatrical Rights Worldwide. And they represent, like... Adam's Family, and just a whole other slew of shows. Um, when they license the show, it comes up as, like, an additional resource. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of resources for music and, Got it. Like, so you're not front-facing. People don't contact they, your company. They contact a different one, and yours is supplemental. They can contact either one of us, but we sit on the shelf with MTI because they can't really do our choreography unless they've bought the show. They have to have the rights, the license to do, to perform the show. Wow. To have the light, to additionally have the license and permission to perform the original choreography. So it kind of all goes hand in hand, but which is a great way to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, but this company is already selling so many, so many other great resources for productions. Like they have a ton of music, like, High schools don't always have a whole orchestra available to them, so they supplement, like, buy the orchestra tracks and take out the drums if you have a great drummer, take out the piano if your choir teacher wants to play. Um, they have, like, logo packs and T-shirts and stuff for your That's putting so your high cool. school stuff. So we're a dance resource. It's, like, addition to, which it's crazy that it hasn't really been done before on this level. Jerome Robbins created lab notation and, like, wrote out these books that are very long and hard to read this is like on all devices streaming it's not a dvd it's all like password protected but easy access so cool it's cool i love seeing all the high schools that are using it to do like hairspray which i love that original choreography of jerry's seeing these young high school kids do that like cool choreographies and just to hear from the choreographers like I'm busy. I'm not even really a choreographer. I just look on YouTube and do my best. This is a godsend. Huh. This woman called me from uh, Brooklyn. Her kids are very serious. And they. I said, how do you choreograph your show? She's like, I clean off my kitchen table. I whip open my laptop. You may call it stealing. I call it inspiration. And I get all my green army men, and I line up the army men in rows and lines, and I move them. However I feel, 
and what you know, I listen to the music, and then the next day I see what I got with the kids. But this is something we could really use. I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to see your serious students. Yikes, podcast guest. Yep. I want to be in that room. I want to be in her Can we room. go see that show? Please. Yeah. You'll give me dates. Yeah, I'll let you know when it I is. want to start going to the shows that LaGuardia puts on. Well, when we're done here, I'll show you a video that she sent me of their, her kids that learned. She's like, if you send me, if you give me access, uh-huh. I'll stay up till three in the morning. I will eat this up. I'm like, I'm giving you access. Well, great. Well, then well, this podcast you. is over. And, Hi, guys. Um, <laughs> we've been looking for a visual Thanks element. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What is it only Jerry shows that you guys are doing? Or are you like, are you Paul, like learning the choreography to Adam's family and then helping bring that? Video no, away? right now we're just offering Jerry's original hairspray and legally blonde with him teaching it with his associates. We have in the works in the next couple months, Adam's family all shook up um, hands on a hard body with Sergio. Mm-hmm. All the like corresponding chore- original choreographers Great. is where the concept's coming from. Um, we have like Rock of Ages, Newsies, Annie with Liza Janeiro, who is the daughter of Peter, who originally choreographed Annie, mm-hmm. um, which is fun for me to get to know these other choreographers. Cause you kind of Broadway is small, but you get into like a little niche market. Like I've worked with Rob Ashford and Jerry Mitchell and not that many others. Sure. So it's fun for me to get to know these other people and for them to trust me with their work to trust us with their work it's also so good thinking 50 years in the future um my friend was just telling he takes a lot of Fosse classes from Nicole but it's like where's the Michael Bennett class because pretty mm-hmm. soon there's not going to be anyone who in has done it family totally um so so thinking ahead how great is it that in 50 years there's somebody who can be like oh this is captured forever it may not be done anymore it might you know be totally not relevant Mm -hmm. but somebody captured that and that can be taught forever Forever. well jerry mitchell was jerome robbins assistant on jerome robbins broadway back in the day which Mm -hmm. was pulling all these shows together like on the town and all these different styles and shows and it was a nightmare trying to like where do we find all this stuff this footage doesn't always exist we didn't film things we didn't write it all down. Like, where do we... They just pulled all these different things. So I think it's fulfilling for someone like Jerry to write those wrongs and be like, let's, for archival reasons, if nothing else... If nothing else. Get a good quality recording of my work. And if it does come up, like, intellectual property of choreographers is not always protected very sure. well. And this is, like, defining it, protecting it, monitoring it when it's done, and monetizing it for themselves. Sure. In... And that's really never been done before. I'm so about that. That's great. I'm so about that. And kids that, you know, learn this in high school, one day Legally Blonde will be revived and they'll be able to go into that audition and be like, I already know this. Well, and for the, a lot of, I, I'm going to a few festivals this summer and my message is that I think people who create theater outside of a Broadway budget are actually some of the most innovative creators around because it takes more to be able to do that Um, and this is a thing where you can learn from them first and foremost learn how to collaborate and what kind of vision went into the original production of of said musical and then you can take that information back to your production and adjust it for how you need to make your production the best it can be 
And I think you and your students will learn so much more at the end of all that. And then you'll do your next musical that maybe you don't have this or maybe you do, but you'll be like, oh, I remember Jerry talking about formations or Sergio talking about characterization totally. or something. They're, the students and the, and the choreographers are going to learn a lot, I think. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's all I can say. Clip, clop, clip, clop. Yes, horse. Yes, horse. Horses, 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 horses. Guys, my horses. ride's here. I gotta go. <laughs> Your apartment is amazing. It's one of my favorite apartments I've been in. I took took note of the yellow. I'm trying to think of the future color story. It's really cool. It's a penthouse. Is it a... It has stairs in it, first of all. (laughs) It's just a little duplex. You know. Duplex. The skylight over the bed. The style is really amazing. That's kind of... Incroyable. What's creepy is on like a super snow day, the whole place looks like a snow globe, but then <gasps> I'll be sleeping and like condensation will build in the window and the skylight above my head and I'll feel like a drop of water Ooh. and I'll have dreams that the entire skylight's collapsing on me at night. Like, Yikes. I gotta get up. Nope. It's a scary. Yikes. No, but I lucked out. That's a thing in New York. Real estate. Geography. Such a nightmare. I've been very lucky. This is our second podcast in a row where we had an apartment lucky story. Oh, yeah. Because oh. Joel had a, a situation. Yeah, Joel Wagner. Like a had... year of free rent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't pay anything for this. I mean, <laughs> no, they, they pay yeah. you to live here. It's, it's yeah, a they real pay dump. Because you're <laughs> the king of Broadway. <laughs> what I love now, I've always lived on streets I'm working on. I lived on 45th when I did Lacage at the Marquee, and the stage door was on 45th. I lived on 47th when I did Legally Blonde, and the stage door was on 47th. Now I live on 55th, and I'd walk to Kinky Boots, but MTI, Music Theater International, is right here on 55th between 9th and 10th. And You're I, touched. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> huh. I've said it before. Have you ever bought a metro card? Fuck you. <laughs> that was her first saying. She got to the top of the stairs. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, there's like a ladder up <laughs> to the roof, and she's impression. like... Do we have to climb that ladder? I would climb that ladder. You guys are welcome to. Do it. Leads you to my rooftop. I leave the air conditioning in there for the most part. Mm-hmm. We're not really supposed to go out there, but I do it once in a while. Mm-hmm. I, I used to. I've been on my roof once. My super took me up because he was showing me an apartment he just renovated, and I was sad it wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I was like, "Can we? Like, do we have roof access? Like, will you get mad if we're on the roof?" And he's like, yeah, you can't go on a roof. It's like, shit, okay. He's like, but I'll take you up there if you want to just go see. It's okay. like, I'll do that. It was the day of the eclipse, actually. Oh. We all roofed it. So I was I w- on our Atlas roof that day. I did not go to the roof for it. I went up to the laundromat where everyone else was, like, standing outside mm-hmm. of and staring at the sun. And it was when I was coming back. He was like, do you just go look at it? I was like, yeah. I go to the roof? Yeah. Your straight voice is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I sound like Kathleen Turner? <laughs> How dare you? Fuck yeah, bro. Yeah, yo, bro. Do you remember... Um, Do you even lift? Cindy Lauper's Oxygen reality series, where they followed her around while she was trying to write Kinky Boots. We were on it. You were? Yeah. She was having such a time. I remember it. She sang at the Gay Pride... Um, yes, peer yes, dance. Yes, yes. And we all did like a Kinky Boots song. We did Sex is in the Heel, but it was like 
Lady Gaga and we were the angels and we came off these like angel wings and like red boots. Yes. And I can't remember why, but Jerry wasn't available to do it. So I was teaching the choreography for it and like walking Cindy through the movement and stuff. And they were filming the whole time and the cameras were everywhere. I remember that episode. What was insane though, there were like 6,000 gay people dancing and having the time of their lives. And we came out and did this up-tempo number and it was fun. And that was all we were supposed to do. And then in an improv kind of moment, Cindy Lauper broke into True Colors acapella. Mm. And the, all 6,000 people just got silent and stared. And I just I thought there are a few people that can too. do that actually in the world today. Natalie Joy Johnson and Cindy Lauper. <laughs> well, Wait, do what? Sing True Colors a cappella? Get the attention of 6,000 people partying. 6,000 gay men. And get in them a, to stop in talking. a spirited moment of, I see your true. Everyone was silent. I can't imagine any other artist just kind of getting up and like, guys, guys, let's be quiet and have a moment. It's very no. funny. Yeah, I have a lot of Cindy Lauper stories. At the Tony yeah, Awards, do. we ran in, and I was like, Cindy, you just won the Tony Award. You're like the first female to win for best score, and that's amazing. We should all get a picture. And we were all kind of lined up, and she was like, no, I can't. I got to go sing for the dead people. She was singing True Colors once again. Dead people? She was singing she did the, that in memoriam. In memoriam. Uh, sing for the dead. I gotta go sing for the dead people. Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, God. what you've been on the Tonys a couple of times. Mm-hmm. What has your favorite Tony Awards experience been? Probably winning and can give it. Well, I mean, come <laughs> on. But it's always a blast. I mean, I had a blast in. I guess which performance was your favorite to do for the Tonys? Probably Lacage because we also won best choreography. And we just were so energetic and, like, spazzing out in that number. We did, like, cut of the can-can. And where we flew over the passerelle and landed in the splits on the other side, we flew over the swings and landed in the split. Just little Paul McGill, like, laid down underneath (laughs) me, and I was thrown up in the air and landed in the splits on the other side on that steel stage at Radio City. But that was really fun. Lacage was really fun. Can people buy that choreography? <laughs> Maybe. Here, high school with students. We want to. It's, it's interesting, too. I didn't know where all these shows, like, so I'm doing Music Man or Lacage or Legally Blonde or The Sound of Music. Like, you buy these things from different licensing houses. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know Lacage was with Samuel French. I had a meeting with him last week. So if it happens, we will do Jerry Mitchell's Lacage. And luckily, I have a ton of video from that. Oh, so good. I will not be teaching it. I will not be dancing it. I will not be doing cooter slams and flying in the air. Great. But Paul McGill will be. <laughs> cooter slams. Hard. Cooter slams. Cooter slams. Can we talk about Cooter County? Yes. My, it's my favorite thing. It's brilliant. Holiday Inn Express is my actual favorite one of all the favorite I've things. I've been living here for three years. <laughs> Explain. Have you never seen... I don't know. No? Laura Bell Bundy... You know what I've seen. ...has um, a character, Shel Kentel Brown, from Cuda County. She works at a hair salon called Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> she lives... <laughs> she lives at the Holiday Inn Express. No! Which one? With Asmarat. Um, off of, like, Route something something in the middle of Cooter County. Route something something? Mm-hmm. I've been there. 
Um, there's a music video of hers, like, in Times Square. What was the song, though? I forget. I can't remember. She came to New York and tried to do a thing where Show Can't Tell visited different cities, and she always has had her, like, hometown homo. Yeah. And I was going to be it here with, like, a Kiki Legally Blonde-type character. She's so brilliant. I could not get into, like, a comedy mode with her because she's such a fierce animal when she's it, like... So good. You need to watch some of her, like, Show Can't Tell. And she plays all these other characters, but... We're watching them after this. It's pretty rich viewing. Great. Um, does she still do it? Is this a current endeavor? Occasionally, she'll make, like, a live appearance as Show Can't Tell. I was with her in Miami once when we taught down in Florida and we all went to Miami. She had her whole costume with her because she had been doing something else and it was Halloween. And I was like, would you go as Show Can't Tell on Halloween to like all the gay bars and the parade and everything? She's like, hell yeah. And she walked around and I saw this man at a bar have a conversation with her about how brilliant it was that she was dressed up as Laura Bell Bundy dressed up as Show Can't Tell Brown. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, I love that. That You look amazing. That is rich. And they had a whole conversation about hot sauce and drinks in that bar in Miami and stuff. And I came up and I was like, do you know, this is actually Laura Bufanti. <laughs> it was very funny. It's like, 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 yeah, like if he is that savvy to know both of those, that person and that character. Mm-hmm. But uh, can't recognize how, that person. How dare you? Yeah. What a fool. After a while. Fool on him. <laughs> fool him fool once. Fool on you, Miami. And a fool on your house. Hmm. What? <laughs> I have rapid fire had, questions I just had for it you. Up to here with you. <laughs> um, we didn't answer. What was your first impression of me? Oh, well done. Um, I know it's really hard. It was like thirty minutes ago. Yeah, it was. You, um, I feel like I wanted to welcome you right away into my home. You seemed very lovely. And then I learned very quickly, you're like a rapid-fire sassy bitch. And I'm into that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I also want to set you up with my friend who's also very single and... Or just, like, go on a date with. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, you guys. She's a Mormon right between her thighs. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it anyway. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys. A date well, never that, hurt anyone, right? Lesbians go on dates still, right? I've heard. Do you go have on you dates? Written, have you written that girl back yet? I haven't written a girl back yet that I dated on, in December. What? What? Mm. Um, do I go on dates? No, but I'm open. I would love to. She <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds great. She's from Idaho. I got that one. Good. She's it. the clitoral mayor of Broadway. Like, I think since, you know, I have friends and I've been around, she's not a performer at all, but she has more free tickets, knows more people if you walk down 9th Avenue and into any bar. She's just like, Kyle Dean Massey's birthday party once with like all these gays and all these people. He said, I feel the most popular. I cannot believe your friend came to this, to my party. I feel so honored and... I was like, Shh, what? You will My be the mayor so fast. of 10019. Mm. <laughs> of 10019. The mayor. The mayor. What are you showing us? I have rapid fire questions. Oh, go ahead. This is another stupid segment. Stupid yeah, it's, <laughs> another stupid it's so dumb, but sometimes uh, it's funny. Give it. Um, 
Okay, and your marks get set, go. What's your favorite show? Broadway show? Sure. Uh, crazy for you? What's the last movie you saw in theaters? Ooh. Oh, I got all, I, um, I, sadly, I think it was, uh, Wonder Woman. I didn't a see long it. time ago. Um, what was the last thing you ate? Meatball shop. What do you wish the last thing you ate was? Uh, uh, what you guys ate at Jasper's? But. A tailgating, like, shitstorm? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my plumbing is... you? Oh, my God. We're dainty and cute. I don't think the penthouse plumbing is up for that. <laughs> the penthouse plumbing is not up for anything <laughs> that Dana has. No. Not for Jasper's. Nope. I'll save it for home. Oh, my God. Hi, Nick. Um, give me your best four bars of Gypsy. Um, uh, <laughs> me in the back door, um, out with the garbage. We're batting zero. We're batting zero. Um, I was there the night that Patty Lapone said, "Stop taking pictures and freaked out." I was fifth row center. Stop. Took my boyfriend for our anniversary to see Gypsy, and I surprised him, and I got house seats, and I love Gypsy, and sat five rows back. Stop taking pictures. And to this day, when I see Patty Lapone, I feel like a little bit bullied because it was a little bit traumatic. I was so close to the action. Do you have PTSD? Slightly, gently. Patty Lapone. Patty traumatic. No, dress, P-L-S-T-D. Dress P-L-S-T-D. Mm-hmm. T-D. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, boy. Okay. It's like, where were you when Kennedy got shot? Totally. <laughs> where were you when Bette Midler fell? Oh, I was home and I got texts immediately. I was with you. Did she fall in Guys and Dolls? In, in, in Hello Dolly? <laughs> she was rocking the boat. <laughs> the boat rocked and she went with it. Oh, no. There was just like a, a set piece moment where she had to like duck out of the way and kind of... Roll off stage. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. Oh, no. She's limber. Um, Lacusa or Lippa? Uh, Lacusa? Heels or flats? Heels. <laughs> Who was your fourth grade teacher? Mrs. Uh, Booker. T. Washington. How many years have you lived in New York? 18. Suck it. Who's your celebrity crush? Ooh. Probably Henry, who plays Superman, Cavall. Is that his last name? Cavill. Cavill. Who would you love to work with? You. Who do you never hope to work with? You. <laughs> yes, man, he looked straight at me. <laughs> um, Betty Davis or Joan Crawford? Betty Davis. What do you order at Hooters? Great. Wings. Um, I have been to Hooters with Kevin Smith Kirkwood. Blah, 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 that was the last time I was there. <laughs> and Sabana, I hope. And Sabana. Thank you. I mean, the queen, yeah, you can't. Just the actual queen. Her. She's the actual queen. I miss her so much. What's your favorite cereal? Kashi. If you're in a crisis, who do you call? Annalise Keating or Olivia Pope? Olivia Pope. Um, would you rather your mom or your boss get a hold of your camera roll? My boss. <laughs> Definitely my boss. 100%. My boss is on most of the pictures anyway. Great. Um, uptown or downtown? Downtown? Red, white, or rosé? Red. And the last one, do you know what the most beautiful thing in the world is, Paul? 
that I know a shoe. Of course it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be a shoe? It's a shoe raised directly up in the air. How Man. high can you... Let me see how high I can... Oh, my God. Like I had a Charlie horse last night, you guys. These pants are actually so tight. I usually can go pretty high. <sighs> Stretchable Amazon overalls. Paul Cannon won that over head leg lift, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone can't see careful. us. Hi-ho! 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 There are seven very well-known dwarfs in history. If you were the eighth, what would your name be? Oh, I thought you asked me to name seven <laughs> famous dwarfs. I'm like... <laughs> the girl from Amazing Grace who's on the comeback that's all I know oh um Jane my name would probably be CC CC Kiki something <laughs> Something with C's and K's. I like that your dwarf name has a first, middle, and last name. It probably does. CC Kiki De Clo Clo. That's the best one we've had yet. Yeah, I think that tops Margaret. Margaret. What was Margaret's? <laughs> it would, no, that was somebody's dwarf name. Oh, just Margaret? Like, what would your dwarf name be? And they're like, Margaret. <laughs> Sarah. Nary a second later, Margaret. Hilarious. And we're looking for, like, sassy... Natalie said hers was slutty. Right. I'm Nishi. Be like Kiki. Kiki. But Kiki. Yeah. Kiki. Yeah. I like Kiki it. but Kiki. As in kick. Speaking of Kiki, you were in the second Sex in the City movie. Yes, I was. You were? In the Liza Minnelli scene. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun to be. Did in you that. watch the show? Like, were you. Oh, yeah. That. When you got that job, you're like, oh my god. Oh, I was I get to be a part of it. And obsessed. And all my college friends, like we all grew up watching that show in the city and drinking. Cosmo was the first alcohol this Mormon ever had. Yes. I was very excited. And the coolest thing about that scene is that it wasn't like we were on some random like ice cream shop scene where like Carrie Bradshaw walked in quickly and then walked out and we're like, Oh, I was in Second City. Every single cast member through the that has ever happened that had ever been on there, including Liza Minnelli and all these guest stars, and Kelly O'Hare was there with us. Like it was just like a plethora. Um, It really two weeks of filming with that was two weeks, two full weeks. What was why was that gig two weeks? What did you have to do? What was happening? We were in the beginning of the movie as a gay wedding of of uh, Mario and Stanford and um, Anthony. Yeah. And we were like a gay men's, the gay men's chorus singing at the wedding. White glittery tuxes. Yeah, with, with tails. I've, I've seen hats. it. I've seen it. I just can't remember it. And I we remember s- that scene. We sang like throughout the wedding at different kind of locations that mm-hmm. we were kind of mingling. And then Liza comes out and does like all the single ladies. Yes. And we danced with all the girls. I remember the I got shot Kim of Cattrall. your face when Liza walks out and you guys like don't know about it yet. And there's this brilliant, it should be a gif. And it's just still singing, there were bells. And the eyes just get big and the heads ever so slowly. Yep, yep. It was my greatest acting moment. It was a very inspired choice. I mean, actually, one of my most claim to fame, holy shit, what's happening moments of my life, getting on that sex. I knew Bernie Telsey from the Legally Blonde show that I did. 
and they called their office called me and were like, can you be in Sex and the City? I was like, oh my God, absolutely. I'm done. That was just done. a phone call you got one day. There was no audition. I went, no, I went into an audition actually. Okay, great. I'd gone in, we sang, but it was like a callback and we, they put us on tape and we sang, you know, whatever song we sang in the movie. I can't remember. Um, but I got a call to be and I was like, oh my God, absolutely. And Michael Patrick King, who's like the director, the writer, all the, the all creator the of everything of Sex and the City. Um, there was a moment where he said, Paul, 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 and was like motioning to me. I was like, I'm sorry, like, how do you, you know my name? And he said, you don't think the man, Bernie Telsey, who casts all my TV shows and my movies, I'm not going to watch a reality show that he's on? I was like, you watched Legally Blood the Search for Our Woods. Yes. No. I just yes. shit my thong. What's happening? He's like, oh, I know you. <laughs> I was like, oh. That's Very amazing. exciting times. Do you Re- think he'll come to the reunion the at 54 screen. Below? <laughs> please do. If you're out there, Michael Patrick King, please come to the, the <laughs> Also, uh, Michael Patrick King, if you are listening, um, at the Duplex on March 19th, we'll be doing Sondheim in the City. <gasps> Sex in the Story, Sex in the City stories through the music of Stephen Sondheim. Oh my God. Get into it. Uh, Michael Patrick King, if you're listening, um, if you know any lesbians who are single and want to go on a date with me, um, I'm available. Thank you. He may respond like to that his, one uh, first, actually. I feel like his pool is deep. <laughs> his pool is deep. I'm stuck on Cooter Slam. That's the title of this fucking podcast. Cooter Slam. Story of my life. Featuring Paul Kaden. Story of my life. My Mormon dad's proud of all is my he? Cooter Slamming through the years. Is he? Yeah, I think he is. Is your family, like, totally you rah rah? Yeah, they're very, very supportive. Great. My dad and I have the exact same feet size, and he's, like, tried on my heels. And <gasps> that warms my cold, dead heart. <laughs> very sweet. That's precious. Yeah. Um, what's a show that you never got the chance to do and that you're super bummed you never got to do? Crazy for you. Crazy for you. No, but that was kind of before. I did Crazy for You. You did? It was my first one. Oh. I was um, someone... It was my first one. Of the one. Girls. It was my first show, and I had to be a tap dancing queen. I didn't know how to tap dance. You faked it till you made it. I was the 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 Beth Level. Oh yeah, right. yeah yeah. The sassy like the sassy girl, something. whatever that's yeah. called. She was like the the dance captain. Yeah. Which is hilarious. We <laughs> nailed it. I got slap that bass. Slap it like it's sassy. <laughs> Are you a Sondheim person? But surely mm-hmm. busy. Did you see Anna Lee in Sunny in the Park? Yes. Oh. That girl, I'm such a freaking fan. She was Same. another replacement in the world of Legally Blonde and was right out of college and making her debut. And because I had this little role that I had a green face on and I jumped down as a girl and then the real girl ran out. I had to start the show up in this high, high, high thing with Anna Lee before every show. How fun. And we would just talk. We were stuck up there for like 20 minutes before every show, and we would just talk about life and boys and dating and living and all this. And now she's a mother and a Tony Award winner and living her life. And she's on freaking Versace, which I was watching the other day. If if that turns around and that is Anna Lee Ashford in that bed... She's great. Nick, your roommate, texted me the other day. He was, like, in a doctor's office or somewhere, Uh and he's like, oh, I'm just waiting to be seen and watching Anna Lee on SVU. Working. She's She's on television every day. 
Yeah. She was in Masters of Sex. Yeah. She had a big part on that. Yeah. She had a part on uh, uh, the C word. The big C. Connie and Carla. <laughs> what the was that? Big C. Cancer Laura Linney. Yes, the big C. Yeah. Because now there's a movie, The Big Sick, and I was like, "Don't say the big sick." Oh yeah. So I said the C word. Don't you say it. Which is actually the Don't L word. Don't you say the big sick. <laughs> Don't say Don't it. Don't say it. <laughs> How's Wayne? He's great. Shut up. Wayne's her dad. That's how he sounds. He <laughs> <laughs> does kind of. Oh, I just, one last thing I want to talk about was that Double Standards concert. Mm. And how Laura Bell put together this amazing benefit, like, in support of women. It was all women singing amazing everything. Show tunes, not show tunes. Jokes. Rosie O'Donnell was going to sing, and she was like, I'm too intimidated by all of you actual singers, so I'm just going to do a ten-minute set. Oh, I love Rosie. It was such a cool night. Yeah, at Town that was Hall, a powerhouse night of girls. Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson. Ingrid Michaelson. Ingrid Michaelson came out and danced and learned the little like show showy dance number. Yeah, Eden Espinoza, who's just always been the coolest girl in school. Yeah, with Lena Hall. Yep. Well, they all did duets, which I thought was cool because a lot of girls sometimes I think can be pitted against each other and who's the most diva, and they all joined sure. forces and just did. Duets, which Liz crazy. Calloway and Judy Kuhn saying, you don't own me. Oh my God, that's my brand. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, they did this big number where everyone was um, handmade tale. Hands, handmaid's tale. Mm-hmm. That was rough for you. It was a hard one. Um, so they all had like their little hats and their capes. It was so cool. There was a teleprompter. There was a teleprompter. Sure, because... You have to be legit for a teleprompter. There is no teleprompter at 54 Below. No. It was at 54 Below? No, it was at Town Hall. Yeah, it's a big deal. It was probably very last minute, too. The teleprompter? The evening. The evening was. So that's the teleprompter reason. Sure, I mean, I just think that's super legit. I've never been to anything with a teleprompter. Mm. The View didn't even have a time. <laughs> the View. I went to Barbara Streisand's concert, and I had view of the teleprompter, and so everything that I thought was like kind of off-the-cuff jokey was ridiculously scripted. <laughs> it was even like, thank you for your applause. That's funny. God. What about the Netflix thing of Barbara Streisand? Loved it. Still haven't watched it. I've only seen parts of it, but... Do you think... James, what's his face? Brolin. Mm-hmm. Thinks she's extra. He has to. He seems like a normal dude. I know. I and wonder how relationships like, hey, gonna, work like that. Yeah, like, I'm going to clone my dogs now. Mm-hmm. And have a little underground railroad of dolls. Yeah. She seems ridiculous. The dog cloning. Yeah. Have you seen him in Life in Pieces? No. He's brilliant in it. No. How do we watch that? It's on Netflix. Okay. That's why I've heard of it. It's There's, in my list. It's one season. It's definitely like a binge situation. Tom Hanks' son is in it. It's really oh, he's funny. Dreamy. Yeah. It's a really funny show. But I don't know about Babs. She's a little out there for me. For me, she's both. She's so down to earth, I think. But she's also like the original hipster. And her life is, she's a little kooky. 
I loved her. But I feel like she's more approachable than Bette Midler. I'd go up oh, to Barbara. Really? I'd go up to Barbara Streisand and say hello. Bette Midler, I'd be ooh. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I think they all just act in fear of celebrity. Are are young celebrities different that are as big as people like that? Like that have that many fans? Well, apparently, if you're Beyonce, you need to sign a non-disclosure. If you talk to her, like hang out. Oh. Uh. That's not awkward for friends. <laughs> do you think she'll do this podcast? It was one of the lyrics in her new song. It was like, if you want to hang with a queen, you got to sign a non-disclosure. Imagine Beyonce sitting on this couch and us being like, so if you say anything that you uh, accidentally say, we'll cut it. <laughs> She's like, bitch, I'll edit it. Be like, I'll be editing. I have My people will edit this. this. And it's just a six-minute clip of like, ha, 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 okay, yes. <laughs> uh, I have a couple non-disclosures for you guys. P.S. Great. Great. Upstairs. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you guys. For being with us in this room. Thank you for being in my room. Do um do one more plug of all of your things and where people can find you on the socialist of medias. Oh goodness. I wish I was please help me be better on social media. But I'm just like my name and everything. Um, the highest compliment I've ever received was from you on social media. You're really funny. You give me a pause in my scrolling. <laughs> oh, you give me pause. Like you've just you one up your pause. own best compliment ever. Yeah. I kind of, I'm like, yeah, yeah, dog, dog, baby, baby. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm like, oh, what's Steven doing? <laughs> your throwbacks make me laugh. Like a Beaches reference or like a Mixed Nuts reference? A Mixed Nuts? Yeah. What? The, the movie. movie. Oh. <laughs> I don't know Mixed Nuts. I know Nuts. Oh, it's a good Christmas movie. It's one I'll watch. Okay. It's really funny. Steve Martin. Oh, I love it. It's great. Yeah. Rita Wilson. It's <laughs> Madeline Kahn. Why don't I know this? Can I watch that movie not at Christmas? Yeah. An orgasm just happened in my apartment. It's been a while. But <laughs> um, Has it? Let's talk about that. No, we're done. <laughs> no. Uh, no. No, so I cut you off. So where can people find you on the social media? At Paul Kanan. Everywhere, but I'm also my nonprofit arts education is takeitfromthetop.org. My company with Jerry Mitchell is called The Original Production, and it's just theoriginalproduction.com, but you can follow us as well. And we put up weekly, we put up um, schools that have our, that are performing our stuff and shout outs from us to them and vice versa and stuff. It's fun. Check us out. And then you can also find me at 54 Below this summer hosting the Legally Blonde Search for El Nat Woods. Where are they now? Featuring Natalie Lander, who Which I did Fiddler with when I was 10. Oh, hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> Lena Hall was not signed up yet. I want her to just walk across the stage with her Tony Award. <laughs> and like, Make it as I'm like talking and making jokes, just have her walk by and like not even say anything. Mm-hmm. And just carry her Tony Award like nothing That's really happened. Funny. That's really funny. That's really funny. No, I hope they're all there. Autumn. Um... Well, thank you again for being here. We love you so much. Thank you, guys. This was really fun. You're delightful. Thank you for sharing your stories. Of course. My soul and my soul are here for you. You bear it all for Broadway. I really do. So many times a year. So many times. So many lifetimes. Bye. See you next, next Tuesday. In the Room with Stephen and Dana is produced by... Stephen Farizy and Dana Craig. Special thanks to Joel Wagoner for tinkling the ivories on our theme song. Hit him up at joelwagoner.com. We apologize and you're welcome. 
We'd also like to thank Jesse Wiener, W-I-E-N-E-R, for our jazzy original music sprinkled throughout each episode. You can find him at jessewiener.com. Last but certainly not least, we'd like to thank Kevin Thomas Garcia for taking all of our ridiculous photos. You can find him online at ktgnyc.com. We are all over the internet on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at InTheRoomPod. Follow us, like us, share us, pimp us out. And don't forget to subscribe to In The Room Podcast. We everywhere, so subscribe. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.